Welcome to another Look Podcast, beloved. I'm your host, Minister Kenneth Davis, a.k.a. the Esquire who's on fire for the Lord. This podcast is designed to take a second look, albeit sometimes even a critical look, into our beliefs and approach with those who may not share our same beliefs and faith. How can we reach someone we're unwilling to understand and respect? Maybe we need to tear down and rebuild. Let's begin the process, my brother and sister. You ready? Let's go. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. This is another look podcast. This is your brother, brother Kenneth L. Davis. Back to you again for another part of our series, Believer to Follower. And um, I won't go through the recap. Um, I'm uh, going to allow you to go back and listen to the previous one. I, but I did get a lot of feedback from the last one. Tongue troubles coming from James, the third chapter. And um, there were some pretty insightful things that I've received in response. And I'm grateful for that. So again, for anyone who has not done so, if you have not subscribed, please feel to subscribe to us on the many platforms we're available on. Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, um, Amazon, etc. Um, Sp- uh, I think I said Spotify before, but um, Reasons, uh, Stitcher, um, Podvine, any of those podcast platforms you'll find us on and and we appreciate your subscriptions we appreciate your your responses your reviews and anything you have that can be a blessing to us amen so i want to get into james the third chapter starting at the 13th verse through the 18th verse we're going to talk about chasing wisdom or chasing after wisdom and i want to before i get into it i just want to share a few things with you from something that i thought about before um, while I was preparing for this, you know, wisdom is a is often a word used but not understood, and, and that includes myself. Um, I was blessed to have a father who operated in a lot of wisdom. Um, you know, he was someone who people would look at. You know, when they talk about the elders of the village, that was my dad, and my dad may not have been the most knowledgeable person when it came to the Bible, but the man operated in such wisdom. I was always enthralled and, and captivated by the number of people that would come to listen to what my father had to say and get his advice. And I'd be blown away sometimes by the things that came out of his mouth. Like, Dad, that's you? <laughs> you know, because he had a lot of information. He had a lot of wisdom and experience that um, helped a lot of people. And and let's, you know, from my perspective, it's just my opinion. Godly wisdom is, is for sure much more supreme to man's wisdom. But I believe God starts in the place of man's wisdom. He He anoints man to have wisdom in the natural. But And eventually, when he sees that, that he can trust that person with that human wisdom, he elevates them in their, in their understanding or enlightens their understanding to begin to impart godly wisdom into them. And I believe I saw that with my father. The one thing, the one area where he flourished in is he loved to help people. And when he gave wisdom to them, as he got older, I started seeing his wisdom took a different turn in a good way, in that he would give them wisdom, not just from a superficial standpoint, but from a point where I was like, he's not getting this information in his natural. This seems like it's God downloading stuff to him. And I believe that's true. I believe God does that. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Let's get started chasing after wisdom. Um, and I'm going to get into, you know, I'm going to 
talk about wisdom, true wisdom from God's perspective. And also we're going to get into what the, what could be defined as wisdom and then the attributes of wisdom. So again, in James, we're starting in James three, verse 13 through 18. And it says this, and I'm reading this from the new living translation. If you are wise and understand God's ways, I'm sorry, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Again, this is um, James 3, 13 through 18. So let's get started by looking at, you know, the attributes of wisdom. And let's start with this. Wisdom is always going to come in seed form. Wisdom is always going to come in seed form. And it's demonstrated. And how do you know that this person is operating in the God kind of wisdom? There's fruit that comes with it. There are outwardly manifestations of an inward seed of God's wisdom. The first one is listen to what they're saying. And again, it's not to, to sit there and be spiritual police and to nitpick every word that comes out their mouth to judge whether they're holy or not. There's a lot of that that goes on in the body of Christ. But this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the overall compass of their conversation. Is it good? Is it not good? Is, is the, a good conversation and actions that precede it are usually are actually are led by the Holy Spirit. Not usually, they are led by the Holy Spirit. There's a demeanor um, that a person walks in when they are um, operating in godly wisdom. There's a gentleness or a meekness by which they they demonstrate their actions. There's a humility, which is power under control. They have authority and they have power. In other words, they have dunamis, which is the power, and they have exousia in the Greek, which is authority under God to operate, but they keep it under control. Think of it like this. When Jesus said that if I wanted to, I could call down legions of angels to rescue me from this cross. What he was saying was, I both have dunamis power and exousia authority to do, but I'm going to keep it under control because I'm looking at the bigger picture, which was you and I when he was on the cross being mocked and being you know, tortured. That's what he calls us to operate in. Look, we have power in our mouth to call things in, whether it be good or bad. Heaven will back the good. Guess who backs the bad? Hell. But we have power in our mouths. But the, the issue is, can we keep our mouths under control? This goes back to what we're talking about with tongue troubles. If we can keep our mouth in check, that's power under control. Being humble and being gentle or meek, even though we may... Uh, know things or we may um, have certain uh, credentials or certain things can you stay meek can you stay lowly of heart can you be gentle in how you treat people and but yeah what are your conversations looking like it doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes and slip or something like that but overall do your conversations edify and build up 
or do they tear down and destroy? Because, you know, the reality is if they tear down and destroy, you may have manly or human wisdom, but may not be operating in godly wisdom. Because the Holy Spirit never seeks to destroy, never seeks to tear down. In the Greek, the word for wisdom is Sophia. <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? Yeah, and, you know, we know of females whose names are Sophia, but in the Greek, it Sophia means wisdom. Now, there are two types of wisdom. There's the wisdom of men, which we just talked about, human wisdom. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just means the ability, and, and by definition, wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. The ability to apply knowledge. You know, because you can have knowledge, but if you don't apply it, it doesn't really benefit you. So having knowledge is part of it, because knowledge means you're not ignorant. But how you apply it is wisdom and the manner in which you apply it. But then it's also what's called godly wisdom. And that's supreme intelligence, exclusive with and from God. Sorry about that, y'all. I think there's a plane flying over my house. So if you hear that rumbling, that's what it is. <laughs> Sorry about that. So anyway, again, godly wisdom is supreme intelligence, which is exclusive with and from God. So what's the implication here? The implication is that God inwardly anoints or endues chosen vessels with his wisdom, which is demonstrated outwardly. And, and, and again, this is, again, going back to the fruits. I mean, anything you plant in the ground will eventually produce out of the ground. But you can't see the seed because the seed is underneath something. It's planted in something, which usually is soil. But eventually what's in it's going to come forth when it's properly nurtured and birth forth something. The question is, what is it going to birth? And that's the question that we all have to contend with. What are we birthing out of our mouths? What are we birthing out of our lives? But before we get into that, let's talk about what the wisdom of God is. And I, I searched and I searched, but I found the best, the, the best description of God's wisdom is found in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter verses 6 through 13. So again, that's 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 13. And I'm reading this in an amplified version because I think it details it out a lot more. So it says this, Yet we do speak wisdom among those spiritually mature, believers who have teachable hearts and a greater understanding. But it is a higher wisdom, not the wisdom of this present age, nor of the rulers and leaders of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom once hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God, that wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age are recognized, I'm sorry, none of the rulers of this age recognized and understood this wisdom. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written in scriptures, Things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsel, and things far beyond human understanding. For what person, 
For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. We also speak of these things not in words taught or supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words for those being guided by the Holy Spirit. Wow, a lot to unpack there. But let me give you a few key points that I, that you can find in this scripture. Number one, the wisdom of God is given and shared to the spiritually mature. See, that's important because the the wisdom of God is a pearl. It's a it's a it's a precious thing, but it's not something you share with everybody. You don't cast your pearls before swine. Because there are some people who are not teachable and who are not spiritually sensitive or even open to the things of God. So don't waste your time trying to convince them or share with them the deep wisdom of God. This is something you you share, number one, as the spirit leads, but number two, with people who are spiritually mature, being, in other words, teachable and, uh, and capable to understand the depths of God's knowledge. Next thing. Godly wisdom is not the same as human wisdom, and we elaborated that on that before. It's not a it's not wisdom of this present age. It's wisdom that actually, and this goes to my next point, it was it was wisdom, in other words, this was supreme intelligence that God had, which existed before you were even conceived, before time even existed, and men existed. Next point, God's wisdom is mysterious to the natural mind. What does that mean? It means it will be perceived as foolishness when in fact it's of a supreme intelligence and understanding that can only be conceived by your spirit through the Holy Spirit. And the last point, and I'm sure there are more points that I could put on here, but for the sake of time, I'm hitting some key points. The last point is this, and this is crucial to understand. And I guess I'll go back to the verse before I say it. And it's here. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is from God so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. What does that mean? It means this, beloved. The only way you can have the wisdom of God unveiled to you is based on your relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. So you will not be able to, number one, receive and number one, understand the wisdom of God absent the Holy Spirit. You must have the Holy Spirit. Now, again, let's not take this too far. I'm not saying you have to be um, speaking in tongues or anything like that. What I'm saying is you have to have an ability to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you are not walking with the Holy Spirit, however you perceive it based on your belief and your faith, if you're not walking with the Holy Spirit, you're really just religious. And you're not being led by the by God because when, when understand if you understand the dispensations of God, 
God walked on the earth, but when man fell, God left the earth and, you know, the Holy Spirit would come upon people, but not be in people. Then from God, it went from God to the New Testament where Jesus was in the earth for 33 years. But when he was crucified and he resurrected, he went back to the Father. And then the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit then came into the earth, which you see in Acts 2, when you saw the, the, the Holy Spirit come upon the apostles. Now, to this time, the Holy Spirit's still in the earth, speaking to men, to you and to I, for those who have received him. Because here's the thing, God will never force himself on you. But without the Holy Spirit being active in your life, you will never be able to receive the wisdom of God that I just read about in 1 Corinthians 2. And again, I'm not going to get into the different theological discussions on whether you have the Holy Spirit or not. You will know. And, you know, I'll leave that between you and what you believe, but most of all, what the Word says. And I think I've kind of elaborated on that last week when I talked about you know, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and etc. Um, so let's move on. Let's let's move to going back to James, the third chapter, verses 14 through 15. There's some other key points here. We also see in this these verses that God cautions us to do a self-assessment before we deem ourselves as walking in wisdom, especially if we're saying we're anointed with his wisdom. Well, how do I know? What what is my measuring stick? Um, if I'm going to determine whether I'm walking in human wisdom or whether I'm working in God, whether I'm walking or operating in God's wisdom, well, take a look at your fruit. Do you have bitterness on a daily basis? Do you have jealousy on a daily basis? Do you daily have selfish ambition, arrogance, or are you daily denying the truth? In other words, are you always someone who lies? And here's the thing. I can't tell. I don't know you. I don't know your heart. But I know me. I know what I struggle and I know what my proclivities are. And here's the reality. Anyone operating with these things on a daily basis, you may have human wisdom, but lack in God's wisdom. Because here's the thing. Anything from God will change you. Period. There's no such thing as being the same person while operating with God's abilities with God's power in you. That just doesn't happen, beloved. So you have to search your heart. This goes back to, I guess, 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, when it says, let a man examine himself. When he said that, in the context in which Paul, the apostle Paul said that, he was saying it before you take of the Lord's Supper, you know, before you take of communion. But when a, a man examine himself is something you're supposed to do every day. Because communion is not reserved to one Sunday on in a month. You could have communion every day. But the point is, communion, in the meaning the wafers and crackers, and I'm getting to a side note here, communion is not reserved to just, you know, crackers and, and a wafer. It's symbolic of something. You know, but the, the, here's, the, here's the key, beloved, on my side note, and I'll conclude this side note. Communion is your... Is your relationship with God like Adam did before the fall when Adam and Eve walked with God in the coolness of the day in the garden that's communion so you know what I, why am I saying all this because you can have communion with God every day and that's what prayer is prayer is communion 
you know, we now we formalize prayer into having certain words and, you know, certain atmospheres, you know. But, you know, when you just talk to God, that's communion. That's prayer. You know, you can be sitting there and it could be what we call, um, I won't call it tried by prayers, but quick prayers, quick, quick talks. Say, God, help me. My head is not in the right place and I need you. That's prayer. You know, and, and prayer's not always what you're asking for. It could be say, God, I just thank you. You know, I, I feel so grateful right now, God. I just want to thank you for the breath that I breathe in, the, in, in, in my life that I have before me. That's prayer. That's a discussion. But understand this, prayer's not just you talking either. After you say all that, take some time to listen. And what are you going to listen for? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins speaking. Now, it may not be audible. It could be an impression in your spirit. But sometimes, guess what? The Holy Spirit will use people close to you to speak to you. That's why we should always be looking for God in everything. And your spirit will bear witness if that's from God or not. But I'm sorry. Let me get back off my side note. Let's look on the verses. James 16 and 17. Let's let's look at some. Let's flesh out some key points there. So looking at verse 16, it's clear that there are also fleshly seeds that will eventually produce fleshly fruit and then results. For example, there will be, in addition to what I said with bitterness and jealousy, selfish ambition, there's also confusion or disorder or unrest or rebellion. And the reality is that when we walk after the flesh, it gives birth to every evil thing and morally degrading act. So just our disobedience alone, it just, not only will it produce fruit of its kind, but it will also produce every evil seed of its kind. So you may start out with, maybe you're bitter, but you opening the door for that seed of bitterness allows every evil seed to have a place in you. Something to think about, beloved. Verse 17, what, do we do? what can we get out of this? verse, here's the reality, the seed of God or the seed of God's wisdom also has spiritual results or spiritual fruit. First one is purity. If you operate in the wisdom of God, there's going to be a pureness or a morally and spiritually undefiled manner about you. And again, it doesn't mean you're sinless. But what it means is you begin to become less sin, you become, excuse me, you become less sinful. In other words, you're not driven by your flesh. You're driven by God's spirit. And there's a purity about what you say and what you do and what you're doing. There's also peace. Hmm. You're courteous. You're considerate. You're gentle. You're easily to be um, entreated. In other words, you're willing to listen. Man, man, man. See, because here's the thing. How can God operate in, in his wisdom through you if you don't lend him your ears? It's, in other words, say less. Be slow to speak and quick to hear so that God can hear and God can speak. What else is there? You're merciful, meaning you're compassionate. You have 
and, and this is the thing. If you look in the previous verse, remember we talked about how if you submit yourself to fleshly proclivities, you produce every evil work. Well, the opposite's true. If, when you submit yourself to God's wisdom, you produce good fruits. You produce fruits that you didn't even sow for, but are still good fruits because you open the door for God to move. You're also unwavering. You're consistent. You're not partial. And this is the big thing. You're not a hypocrite. You're honest. You're, you are sincere and you are truthful to what God called you to. Man, think about that. So you're telling me, Brother Ken, that if I operate in God's wisdom, even without my human uh, intervention, God can begin to birth these things in you? Absolutely. Because when you allow seed to come in you, the seed does all the work. And God will be God will water that seed. God always will water that seed. What can we get out of verse 18? I'm gonna get there, sorry. I turned off my um, phone, not realizing I need scripture. <laughs> so bear with me. So verse 18 um, says this. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness, spiritual maturity, is sown in peace by those who make peace, by actively encouraging goodwill between individuals. So those with God's wisdom will always have a seed of righteousness in them that bears fruit of righteousness in others. We sow peace, so the shalom of God, into others' lives by his wisdom and his righteousness. So what does this mean? Think of it like this. If you are a parent, you sow seed into your wife and you have children. But the seed that you sowed into your wife produced your children, but your children have, they also have your seed in them too. So they can reproduce people just like you. That's, you know, in a physical, that's why people say, you look just like your grandfather, you look just like your grandmother, because that seed that was in your grandfather is also in that, in the, in the parent that produced that child, and likewise. You know, but this is, there's something else in the spiritual context, the same, the same um, application exists. If I am, if I'm operating in God's wisdom, there's a seed of righteousness of God's way of doing things, the right way of doing things, God's way of doing things. That, and that, if I operate in that wisdom, it will produce the righteousness of God that, and when I sow into other individuals, they also will carry that seed. And they also will bear fruit of righteousness. So I go from being a seed of righteousness to producing fruit of righteousness in others. And that, what does that do? That sows, that sows the shalom of God, where there is nothing broken and nothing missing into their lives. And that, see, here's the thing. Righteousness and unrighteousness can't dwell in the same place of inevitably. So what happens if, if I keep sowing these seeds of righteousness into others? The righteousness will drive out the unrighteousness because they both won't dwell in the same place. Now, does it mean that you have you won't have some unrighteous seed in you? No, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the eventuality. The eventuality is though, even though right now you may have the seed of righteousness in you, but you have unrighteous acts or seeds in you too, eventually whatever you feed the most will overtake that which is not fed the most. So you feed yourself. You have here you are, you have seeds of unrighteousness and seeds of righteousness in you. 
and you choose to feed the seeds of righteousness. You choose to water those seeds of righteousness. And more than you, you water the seeds of unrighteousness, eventually what happens is the seed of righteousness will produce out of the ground and overtake the ground, even the ground where the unrighteous seed is planted. That's why it says wheats and tares have to grow together. But the thing about God is when you have a seed of him in you, it will drive out the darkness. Light will always overtake darkness. Go into a dark room and turn on a light switch. Where does the darkness go? It goes away. Same thing with your seed of righteousness, beloved. Same thing with your seed of righteousness. So why is all this important, y'all? Why why am I talking about all this stuff? What's the big point then, Ken? The big point is this. The wisdom of God is, is not only for you, it's also for your generations after you. But the, it's important that you understand that it's driven and led by the Holy Spirit because it searches the thoughts of the mind of God. And then it's, it's unveiled to you in your prayer time or in your time of devotion or even just your relationship period. You could be in your office at work and the, the, the wisdom of God comes through. How many of you have been at work and you may have been in a meeting and you're brainstorming and then all of a sudden this, this thought drops in your head about how to do something and it is like, it blows you away because you're like, where did that come from? And other people are like, wow, I never thought about it that way. That was with the wisdom of God given to you to solve a problem. I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings, I've been in, and uh, we brainstormed because we've had certain litigation or something like that, and these thoughts would come, or you know, something would happen. Say, you know, let's talk to this person, and I share it with the person who was in the decision-making capacity or higher decision-making capacity, and they'd be like, "Hey, okay, let's do that. I think that's a good idea." Or I would say nothing, and maybe I should have, and then the other person says the same thing. And there, you know, shit, like, wow, that's a good idea. And I kicked myself like, man, I should have shared that because I had that, that had that same download literally 10 minutes ago, but I kept quiet because I didn't want to come across as a know-it-all. <laughs> Anyone ever been there before? Amen. So the wisdom of God is, is a, it's a, it's, it's there to um, edify others as well as yourself. It's also there to strengthen others. Most importantly, it's there to bless others. And most of all, it's there to give God glory. And through that wisdom of God, as long as you cling to it, because that's the other thing, you have to actively pursue it or chase after it. Because the wisdom is, is, is not only a thing, it's a person. It's in the name of Christ Jesus. He, is, he was made wisdom for us so that we could operate after the ways of God, we could know the thoughts of God. And I know people say, you know, well, the scripture says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. That is true. But the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit reveals the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit's one of the tripart of the Trinity. And he searches the deep things of God and reveals it to us. Not that it was in our thinking, but he reveals what God is thinking so that it could be manifested in the earth, through you, through me. All God's expecting us to do is to carry out his will. But we have to be available to him. And believe me, 
even in some instances, you have to be willing. If you're going to operate in the wisdom of God, you have to be willing to be looked at as a fool. You have to be willing to be conceived and perceived as someone who's foolish. First Corinthians, I believe the first chapter 23 through 25 said it best that to the world, what we're saying, what we're thinking is foolishness. They reject it. But to God, it's, it's hidden wisdom. And that's what he expects us to operate in. That's what he expects us to operate in. So don't be wise in your own eyes, beloved. Let the wisdom of God be your, your be the thing that, uh, that causes you to operate. When you speak, let it be the wisdom of God, which is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Be led and be strong in the Lord and power's might because you operate in his wisdom. And I believe, and I, I, I believe we're in a place and time now where the, the you know, the, the earth is groaning for the revealing of the sons of, of men, the sons of God. The earth is groaning for us as the sons of God. And when I say sons, it's not gender specific. Sons meaning, you know, both male and female, because in, in the spiritual realm, there is no gender. There is no race. There is no color. But in the, the earth is groaning for us to manifest and to show us and to unveil us for who we are. And to come with that word of wisdom or that word of knowledge from the throne room of God to be able to speak into problems and call those things which be not as though they were. So that we could begin to operate in the in the prophetic gifts that God has in us. And even if it's not a perfect in, in, in the prophetic, but we could begin to de- determine and speak into a thing that if it doesn't look like God, it begins to take the form of God because of what we spoke. Because we have a word of wisdom from the throne room of God through the Holy Spirit that enables us to understand something that other people could not understand. And then we begin to speak and operate in this wisdom of God. In the days of Solomon, he operated in it. And he wasn't the only one. But most people, when you think about wisdom, when you think about Solomon. But let's be, let's be clear about this. Even if, since we're talking about Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man in the world naturally but do you realize how much in the end of his life Solomon had fallen so far away from God because he did everything that God called him to do when he was younger but when he got older he started doing things that God told him not to do like you know marrying certain types of women and 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 then he began to worship foreign gods which weren't even true gods he was submitted to the only one true God, and he began to fall to follow after false gods because his wives were following after them. And the end of his life, even though he still had all this wisdom, he was bitter. You know, I mean, look at the the, the books of the Bible. I don't know if it, I believe it's I don't know if it's Ecclesiastes. I believe, um, but you know, there's a lot of bitterness in Solomon because he got darkened because of what he was choosing. So with all that wisdom he had. He still didn't have the discernment to stay faithful to the God that blessed him with godly wisdom. Why am I saying all that? Don't get conceited in your own eyes. If you are operating or you've been anointed with the wisdom of God, or you seek it and you get it, don't be wise in your own eyes and become conceited because it's not about you. It was given to you by God for his glory. 
and to bless other people. Stay humble. Stay meek. Stay gentle. Let your conversations be good. Let your words be sweet. Edify and build up, beloved. Don't tear down. Amen. Well, I pray this word was a blessing to you. Um, If it is, feel free to hit us up on Facebook, Spotify. uh, I'm sorry, Facebook or Instagram. Or you can email us at altrinity1 at gmail.com. Or, and again, if you send it on our Facebook page, I, I respectfully ask for you to DM us. Send us a DM on those pages. That way we get it out of respect for your privacy. Um, also, you know, if you are on any of the platforms that you hear this podcast on, feel free to leave us a review or, you know, subscribe. Amen. Well, I pray that you have a great week. And I do have one more podcast episode I believe we're going to do around uh, probably the weekend of Christmas. Amen. It'll be a deviation from our series. And we're almost done, believe it or follower series. And I pray it's been helping those who, again, seek to who to seek to seek grow spiritually um, and move on from being babes in Christ to people who desire the meat of the Word of God. I pray it's been a blessing to you. And um, for those who don't know the Lord and want to know the Lord, who want to come home, for those who may have been in the family but walked away, I have an invitation for you. I want you to stay tuned. We want to bring you back home. We want to give you a way back home. We want to be a bridge to you. Amen. So thank you guys. God bless you. We hope you have a great week and we will catch up with you soon. Love ya. Hey, thank you for listening to another little podcast. For now, we're going to offer the call of salvation. And I'm going to offer you two scriptures. The first one is Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The other one, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So now, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me in faith. And I want you to believe that everything you pray is true and God will answer. So pray this after me. Lord, I admit I am a sinner. I need and want your forgiveness. I accept your death as the penalty for my sin. I recognize that your mercy and grace is a gift you offer to me because of your great love. Not based on anything I have done. Cleanse me and make me your child. By faith, I receive you into my heart as the Son of God and as Savior and Lord of my life. From now on, help me live for you 
with you in control. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Welcome to the family. Feel free to give us a a shout out on our Facebook page or our Instagram page or on our, uh, you can email us at altrinity1 at gmail.com or, you know, however you choose to reach out to us. But we want to know if you received Christ. We want to make information and materials available to you if you have for your next steps. And if you need a help finding a faith-based Bible teaching, Bible believing church home, we have resources available to you. So we look forward to hearing from you. We are excited for you. Welcome to the family. We love you and God bless you. Welcome home, Columbia. Beautiful, beautiful.